0: Welcome to Code Grays: an episode by episode recap of Gray's Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado, and I'm Megan Totsky. And join us for season 2 episode 18: Redux Yesterday. <laughs> Here's a really fun story, listeners. Are you ready for it? <laughs> I think they're ready. One time, Megan and I recorded a really good episode, wouldn't you say? It was excellent. We had a lot of good, I did a really good chief impression. You Megan did. had some genuinely insightful shit to say. Teresa told a Meredith breakup story. Yeah. We talked about a really skeevy COPD <laughs> equipment salesman. It was 120 minutes long.
1: Yeah. Now that Two I'm saying hours. that back, I don't really know how much of that our listeners are interested in. <laughs> We didn't sell it, did we? (laughs) I don't think so. But here we are again for an abbreviated version that I just can't say for sure will involve a COPD salesman, equipment salesman.
0: (laughs) I I can say for sure that that it won't because I think we're going to cut that patient out (laughs) entirely. (laughs) (laughs) What we're saying is, we already recorded an episode Mm. about this goddamn episode, so forgive our lack of enthusiasm. Yep.
1: If anybody's interested in an hour and 20 minutes of just me talking about it, that would be fine. If anybody's familiar with the comic- I will be posting that to Tumblr. If anybody's familiar with the comic Garfield minus Garfield- Yeah. I just want everybody to know that I'm John Arbuckle in this situation and Teresa is 100% Garfield. (laughs) Yes. And Hank is OG. You know,
0: when I told you that on Saturday night when this all happened that I needed to have a drink and eat food and be in denial for a while, Uh I was thinking later that night about what our options were and I came up with a few, but the one that I didn't actually suggest to you Was me just playing back your audio and just responding to it?
1: (laughs) That's genius! (laughs) Oh my god, having a conversation. (laughs) That would be an excellent like outtake, you know, like end of season blooper (laughs) reel or like I don't know. Just you would have to like do shots or something while you did it, but
0: yes, (laughs) you know. Preferably with you actually around I was going to say, like, next time we're together,
1: we should listen to it and we can both respond to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know? It's a really good way of of somehow getting a guest on our show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, do you want to hit us up with an episode summary? I do. I do. I bet you're really prepared for it. I'm (laughs) super
1: prepared. (laughs) Okay. <clears throat> oh,
0: God, stopwatch. Right. Okay. It's just, it's the same every week. I don't. Okay, here we go.
1: <laughs> Count me down. All right.
0: Three, two, one,
1: go. Okay, so we have Jake, who's a young man with a bony tumor disorder, who Derek and Mark Sloan are going to operate on, which brings me to Mark Sloan, who comes onto the show. He was sleeping with Addison. He is Derek's ex-best friend, and he is sexy AF. And then we have Pamela, who has spontaneous orgasms. That's a really bummer, big bummer for her. <laughs> I'm just going to – just gonna,
0: can I start over? <laughs> Please? Three, two – one And that was the episode. I just was looking at Pamela's name on my
1: sheet and it said spontaneous orgasms and I got so sad for her. <laughs>
0: and I just I understand. I'm sorry <laughs> it's, it's that really I didn't terrible. get to
1: everything but I am you know reliving I think we're the only going to talk about the
0: things you mentioned. <laughs> And then I
1: got to, to Steve Eaton and I was like, we're not going to talk about him. I shouldn't have talked about him in the
0: summer. I threw you off with that. Oh, he, oh God. I really did. But
1: he's next on my document. Exactly. And then I got to Yang eating Chinese food and I was like, that's not summery worthy. <laughs> that's color. That's color. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm sweaty. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <sighs> okay, okay.
0: We are consummate professionals week in and week out. <laughs> you know, you know what podcast I listen to on the regular? No, it's called The Read with Oh, I'm cold. This, this guy, Kid Fury, and any relation to Guy? No. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that would be hilarious since Kid Fury is, is a black gay man. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, they've been, like, openly drinking Hennessy in the <laughs> recording studio since the inauguration.
1: That's <laughs> and, amazing.
0: And uh, I've just really been appreciating their whole tone and it makes me feel yeah. a lot better about our laughing jags that's like just, hugely
1: representative the only thing you
0: hear is wheezing on both <laughs> ends of the line <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that's amazing uh, okay. Okay. okay who should we start with? let's talk about our friend We forgot jake <laughs> i said jake that's what i oh, said no, at you the beginning jake. you said jake you said jake <laughs> I forgot Jake. <laughs> you forgot Jake. That's on you. I projected.
0: <laughs> you did. Uh, can we talk about the opening scene with Burke and Yang, actually, oh before we talk about Jake?
1: They're, that's, it's like, so... a moment when I think they're so cute together. Yes. You know? Yes. It's, like, one of
0: the only and times. And it's a moment when I feel like Isaiah Washington and Sandra Oh, like, really deeply our friends. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Which I think is true because they're still in touch today. Like, Aren't I've they? seen photos of them and stuff because I stuck Sandra O. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, that's nice. And they both can really dance.
1: They're excellent dancers. And then Burke yes. has like a funny little joke where he like, goes, <laughs> it's like such a throwaway, he, like goes to answer the phone and he like
0: kind of hurts his neck. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time. But I love it Can because... you remember that he was like 10 years old? than Yang? <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> but just looks fantastic. And he answers the phone because he... Oh, he answered Yang's phone, and they find out that Yang has kept her old apartment. And the buzzkill <laughs> in that moment is super real. <laughs> you know, like, they go from it's... having such a fun time to just, like, ooh... <laughs> Like, you just want to wish yourself out of that apartment, you know, like, it's a bummer.
0: It's not a great look for Christina.
1: (laughs) And she's, oh, she's so cute, though. Not ideal. She's very attractive.
0: Oh, my God. She's so sexy in this scene. And I think I like it so much because it's a little bit surprising that... So, Burke walks in on her dancing with her headphones in. Yeah. So, what else is cute? The other thing that's cute is that Burke can't actually hear any music. No. It's just dancing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. According to her dancing, which is very sweet. But you'd think that Yang, who's so buttoned up and whatever, that she would like stop immediately when he's there, like, oh, hi. But no, she just doubles down on the dancing, like coming on to him. And (sighs) it's sexy and funny and great. Yeah. It's a great little scene. (laughs) So, that's about it, right? Um. So we'll see you next week.
1: <laughs> okay. So we have. Let's well, talk about
0: the lion man.
1: Okay. Let's talk about the lion man. We have Jake. He's a young man, maybe I don't know, seventeen, eighteen years old, and he has a bony tumor disorder. Um. And it, it essentially every single
0: time I think you're gonna say, and he has a boner every single time. <laughs> well, bonies we like. We did this two days ago, and I still think. I
1: still think so. You just don't hear bony all that often.
0: You hear boner a lot no. more. You know? Yes, all the time in my line of work. Yeah, what? I bet. <laughs> <Come on>. Okay. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I work at a salon. <laughs> um, he, I don't
1: know. He's a great kid. So he comes in and he's got these bony tumors growing <laughs> growing on his face and on his head and uh, and I don't actually, Derek has to operate on his brain, which leads me to believe that like they're maybe growing on his skull or I don't know, something. They're growing, they're everywhere. Ah,
0: in between his ears. So and, uh, um, totally
1: he's a super charming kid. Uh, he very delicately rides the line of sort of charming and self deprecating without it being sad. You know, like he kind of is okay teasing himself, but not in a way that makes you feel like truly bad for him, if that makes sense. Like, it's not, I don't know. It's, 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 he's got a really delightful humor. He's the same kid who plays Landry in Friday Night Lights, um, and he plays, similar to Coach Taylor last week in the Bomb episode, like, very, <laughs> plays a character very similar to Landry, like, sort of nerdy, but kind of knows it and owns it. And he is working with Yang, and they have, like, he's, like, kind of flirting with her, but in, I don't know. I don't even know if I would describe it as flirting, but they have sort of a funny little scene together when he's getting an MRI and and he tells her that he that she has nice eyes and she's like, what? And he says you know, well mostly you're, you're all surly and hardcore, but your eyes are, you're not your eyes are nice. And he's making the point that like his face is so, you know um is, is covered in tumors, right? His face is really, really harsh to look at. And he says, you know, the, my eyes are the one thing that I have and so they have this sort of nice little charming interaction that I like quite a bit and then mark sloan comes in and mark sloan is a plastic surgeon and he's gonna save jake's (laughs) face and (laughs) and he's just
0: so hot you guys he's he's unbelievably attractive (laughs) he is just so good looking so hot i ran it (laughs) good Well, I was just going to say that we discussed on Saturday in our original recording (laughs) that he pretty much just smolders Mm. for, I don't know, like 40% of his first episode on Mm -hmm. Grey's Anatomy. Like, he's just there being really, really pretty. Mm -hmm. You don't even know why he's arrived or, like, who this person is. Nope. You just know that he's hot as hell and you don't want to take your eyes off of him.
1: (laughs) Which is, like... That's power. Like that is yeah. that is some sex powers, <laughs> you know, for 20 minutes yeah. of this episode we're like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> Eric Dane is like, you know how Leonardo DiCaprio was probably Like, as a young girl, and even now when I look at photos of young Leonardo DiCaprio, I think he's the most beautiful thing that I've ever Mm -hmm. seen in my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. Like, I really believed that then and believe it now. Mm -hmm. But he hasn't necessarily aged into a handsome man whatsoever. I feel like Eric Dane is what I expected Leonardo DiCaprio to grow into. Yeah, yeah. Like They have really similar features, and he's so beautiful, and I just think... I think that he he took Leo's place like spiritually and actually, yeah, in my heart, that's and other regions.
1: I think that's true. I never thought that they look alike, but they certainly do. They both have the sparkle in their eyes that like yes, you would just say yes to anything they ask, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like there's they're just really, really delightful to look at, <clears throat> um, uh, yeah. And so I want to get in a little bit to now that we've sort of transitioned to Mark. So, Mark is the big sort of you had sort of said it was a big plot twist, and I didn't actually remember that this is a plot twist. But we find out that he's come for Addison, right? And the plot twist being that he is, is that he and Addison had actual real feelings for each other, and actually, you know, were possibly even in love with each other. And so he's come to yeah, sort cause of because all
0: we've known of Mark so far is that. Derek walked in on his best friend, Mark Sloan, yeah. in the throes of lovemaking with his wife, Addison. And right. Derek walked out and then went to Seattle. And that's that's all we knew about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so we find out that they have feelings for each other. And I didn't actually remember this as like a a big plot twist. You know, I think that it's. I, I, you know, I, I just didn't remember that. I didn't remember that that was a surprise. I was just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's right. They have feelings for each other. I thought I always knew that. But they, but that's definitely not true. Do you remember being really su- surprised about this? You, I just talked about it because you had said that it was a big plot twist, and I didn't remember that at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, because the way that Addison presents it to Derek and therefore to us, the audience, is that she's made this mistake and, you know, she's so sorry and she sees now that it was a mistake and it definitely sounds like it's, like the mistake was a one-off thing. Mm-hmm. Like she, Derek wasn't around and so she just, in a moment of weakness, gave in to this infinitely more attractive man than Derek, who is himself very attractive. Yeah. And so I remember being surprised because it was like, oh shit, like at the very end of this episode, you know, Sloan says something to Addison along the the lines of,
1: Hey, we all made mistakes, Addison, all three of us, but somehow, somehow I lost my best friend and the woman I loved. Don't say that. He doesn't know how we felt. He doesn't know you stayed with me after he left.
0: It's in that moment that you get a hint of what the actual scope of their affair might have been. And that's going to be fleshed out with like greater revelations to come. But in that moment, I definitely felt like, oh, dude, like, whoa, what's yeah. going on here? Um, And and it's it's nice to know that Addison kind of now has a purpose yeah. other than just her, her struggle and so far failure to to work on her marriage and get her marriage back on track with Derek so it's nice that going forward we'll have something else to do with Addison yeah no
1: I think that's exactly right and I think that it's also it really sort of levels the playing field between Derek and Addison you know I think that we've always seen Derek is like so angry at Addison and Addison just had this one night stand with Mark but he's so in love with Meredith and that's so abundantly clear when we watch this show that it feels sort of unfair that he's so mad at Addison for this thing and she is like constantly apologizing to him for this for this you know seeming one night stand and I think that suddenly the playing field is is level for the two of them for these two you know <laughs> essentially cheating spouses yes. um, and they're having sort of equal experiences And I think that—I agree that it gives Addison a purpose, and I think that it's—this is actually a really interesting episode to me for her. It sort of led to further revelation for me personally and just thinking about her her role on this show, but more so, like, her character, generally speaking, you know, like— who I think that Mark comes in and he's so proud and he's like, I still love you and I'm here to like sweep you off your feet and bring you back to New York and like I'm so great, you know, and like you love me and Derek loves Meredith, so like let's get out of town. And it's very clear that Addison, that um, I'm sorry, that Mark loves Addison, and it's very, very clear that Derek loves Meredith. And I think that, like, I was really left in this episode struck by how much is unknown about Addison, right? That, like, we have no idea who she loves at all. And it actually, you know, at the end, there's sort of this tasteful moment. She's sitting in the in the trailer, and Derek's smoldering in bed, and she's sitting by herself, and she has, like, one tear that falls down her face because she's clearly wrestling with this, Right. And, and Meredith has made a, a comment to Mark that, you know, Derek's not the kind of guy you you leave if you can help it. <clears throat> and and you sort of see that in this moment where she's quietly crying of just, like, she doesn't want to leave Derek because he's a good guy, right? Like, Mark is the first person to admit that, like, he's not a great guy, but he, you know, supposedly loves Addison. And I think that Derek's, a, you know, supposedly this this great guy, and she wants to love him so badly, but it's so unconvincing that she has real sex feelings for him <laughs> or like any you know like it's just it's so hard to watch the two of them together and i think that you can really see that in this episode that she's suddenly you know she she's tempted to throw in the towel and you just have no idea who she who she loves and because She's a character who is written in as an outcast, like she has no friends and she has nobody who's supporting her and nobody who's asking her and nobody who's sort of like standing next to her to support her through this like incredibly difficult time. Um, And so I just think that her character strikes me as particularly lonely in this episode.
0: Yeah, I thought that this was just really, really... Thoughtful, right? Like, I I have been so caught up in the storylines, like, in these two of the lines of the triangle, right? Like, I've been so caught up in Meredith yeah. and Derek, and I haven't really spent a lot of time considering, like, what it is that Addison really wants or is looking for. And that's definitely even more up in the air in this episode because you're right, like, the way she frames it to... Sloan is you know what you said like you don't you don't give up on a guy like Derek or whatever and so she's she seems like totally beholden to this feeling of duty or like nobility that like this is what she's supposed to do so gall darn it she's gonna do it (laughs) and um yeah and so it's I think important to finally see her thought process about it that it's seems to be at this point less about like she lost the love of her life and more about like doing what she thinks is the correct thing in a situation.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really challenging, right? She's been married to Derek for 10 years, you know, and her argument has always been, well, we've been married, you know, like I have to stay in it. We took vows, whatever. And I think that you had pointed out this, this nice moment that I actually think speaks to this a little bit is between Derek and Meredith, when Meredith is dealing with this patient, this very bitter old patient, and she he's it leads Meredith to ask Derek why she thinks that that people cheat, and maybe more specifically why did why did Addison cheat on Derek? Do you want to speak a little bit to that to sort of what that brings to light in terms of Addison and Derek because I think it's a really valuable point
0: yeah i I was really impressed in that moment um, with derek 's response you know he says i don't i don't know why and And when she asks, were you a bad man? I think is how she actually phrased it. Or, like, were you a bad bad husband? husband? There we go. Yeah. You know, he says, he thinks, like, he really, really thinks about it for a second. And then he says, I was absent. And kind of speaks on that for a moment. And I think it's... A really critical moment of self-reflection for Derek a character that we've seen one of two ways so far as regards his relationship with Meredith and with Addison on the one hand he's full of this bitter resentment towards his wife and then in this episode we see him just total rage and fury to the point that he knocks out Mark Sloan and we never really see him wrestling with like his responsibility in and to this marriage. And that's not to, like, blame him for his wife cheating on him, but it is a moment where it seems as though he can – he is capable of and might already be practicing a kind of empathy towards Addison, which to me signals, like, a space where – they could potentially move forward. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's even a little bit more heart-wrenching that the episode leaves us with Addison in less a self-reflective space and more of just like, I just have to do this thing. You know, it's like, oh, one of these people is finally maybe ready to do some work here. And you see the other person and it's like, they just two ships in the night like you've just got two people who can't figure it out
1: yeah I think that's interesting I mean I think you could also from a viewer perspective you could also make an argument for the opposite right that it shows that Derek that their marriage wasn't perfect yeah you know that like they're not trying to rebuild to the thing that they had the moment before Addison slept with Mark you know, that, like, their their marriage was already fractured or cracked in some way, shape, or form. And I think that, like, as a viewer, you can take that one of two ways, right? Like, I think as a a real human being who's in a marriage or in a relationship, you kind of take that as, like, okay, like, roll up your sleeves, get to work, fix this thing. <laughs> yeah. But I think that as a viewer, when it's so clear that we're try- we're rooting for Derek and Meredith, that it's easy to say, like, well, like, it's not – there's – you know, there's maybe not a lot there. Maybe he didn't really, you know, he was absent. There was something wrong in the first place. You know, I think that the picture just suddenly sort of like shifts into focus in this episode, I think. Like from obvious things, but also I think from those more subtle cues like you're talking about.
0: Which, I mean, I think that raises a really good question because I feel like sometimes I've seen this show so many times and I've been, I'm jaded now in so many ways in terms of like how I watch it. Like, are we rooting for Derek and Meredith? Like, are you rooting for Derek and Meredith right now when you watch these episodes?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I am.
0: Big softie. I am.
1: I know. <laughs> because I just, like, can't help. Because I think that it's hard to look at it. You know, you're you're given two options, right? Like, Derek and Addison or Derek and Meredith. Right? And it's not until you know, we won't get into, like, other options that occur into either of their lives, but, like, those are sort of the the two options you're given, and I think that they're, the way that they write Derek and Addison together, like, them and being in the same room causes, like, a visceral discomfort in me, you know, (laughs) and I think that, like, he is so enamored with Meredith, and he is so soft toward her, and she feels so like, safe and comfortable and, like, like trust him so much as a person who, like, doesn't really do that, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, that I think that a lot of the things that they don't get, based on what we know about each of their lives, the things that they don't get from other people, they get from each other. And I think that um, they have a lot of personal work to do because I feel like they should be getting a lot of those things from themselves. But I think that in terms of who I'm rooting for, I'm absolutely not rooting for Derek and Addison (laughs) because it's so clear, uh, because it's so clear to me that they're not in a happy marriage and neither of them is willing to roll up their sleeves. You know, neither of them is willing to sort of double down and like really do it. I think Addison is sort of, but now that Mark, now that things have shifted into focus here with Mark, it's, it's, it's changed, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why do you not, do not root for them?
0: I, I don't think at this point in the series I'm rooting for them like I think in small moments right like his when we talked about the end of the last episode of episode 17 when he's describing their last kiss like in that moment I'm rooting for them yeah I want them to have another kiss I know that I'm rooting for Meredith always and forever and yeah and I think it's hard for me because I am so far removed from the first time that I watched the show that I can't right. really remember if I was rooting for them even then like I don't know because now I look on Derek and I've had so many seasons with him to be like mad or frustrated or you know whatever that I, you know right now watching it back right now I'm not necessarily rooting for them I think that that starts to change here like I think that episode 17 marked that the start yeah. of that change for me
1: no, and I, sh- I mean, and, and I agree. I mean, there's a reason that we've been calling Derek sort of the federal Karev of the <laughs> yeah. week for the last 15 was, episodes yeah. before these last three, because he is I mean, he's really can be really awful to her. And I think that awful to her and awful in general and like even some of the shit that he pulls with Jake in this episode, he tries to shut down Sloan's surgery with Jake because for no reason, really, <laughs> other than that he doesn't want to interact with Mark Sloan, you know. Yeah. And I think that those sort of douchebag, karev moments that we see of Derek are so unattractive to him entirely, you know, with Meredith or without her, that it's hard to really want to root for him for anything. But I think you're right that there has been a shift after this sort of near-death experience for all of them um, that shifts a little bit. Yeah. And as, and as things become clearer with Addison, you know, like as we see him,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and you know, yeah, exactly. Right. Like not just Addison, (laughs) not just her story coming into picture, but Mark's presence just like totally, I don't know it just really throws a wrench in the whole rebuild
0: this <laughs> marriage plan, you know. It would throw a wrench into any let's rebuild our marriage plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. All right, well, um who should we who should we chat about next? Let's talk about Pamela a
1: little bit. We don't have to talk about her for a okay, long time. Don't. But as as the framing for our for our medical fact of the week, let's uh talk for a second about our <laughs> idiot interns and Pamela. <laughs> the
0: worst nightmare medical
1: case. Yeah. So Pamela comes into the emergency room because she has had a car accident, uh, for which she is responsible. And it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that the that they you know in the am, yeah, ambulance sort of say that she's had a seizure and it becomes pretty clear very quickly that she does not have seizures she has spontaneous orgasms Whoops and they happen many t- well, <laughs> many times a day she is a 20 year old college student she studies like math or something you know like she's a good she's like a good kid and she has like a dozen orgasms a day completely unprompted and it's awful like it's so tough and so then she comes in and they call her dad because he's her emergency contact and then she's there having an orgasm and her dad (laughs) is sitting there and it's like i mean it's it's like a nightmare and she even describes it this way she's like it's like a nightmare that you just want to wake up from all the time And so we have a handful of idiot sex deprived interns, yep, who just cannot get enough of pamela mm-hmm. they and they cannot get their wits about them. they just cannot get it together, and they just think that it 's great that she 's having orgasms like they 're like, oh it's not exactly something you 'd want to cure, is it and they're like, "Oh man, a dozen orgasms every day like they just <laughs> think it 's the best." And they're so dumb. Like, they're just so... They're just a bunch of dummies.
0: They are, you know, last week Bailey referred to them as pariahs. <laughs> and My God. They certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely, you know, like... I I don't know. It's just such an absurd thing for someone to come in with, with a medical complaint and to have doctors be like, are you sure you want that fixed? Like, Like, I was literally just in a car accident because of my condition. So, yeah, I'm, like, pretty sure. I do. I really do. Yeah. And... uh, It's awful. Yeah, and it's all kind of meant to highlight the intern's general sexual frustration, right? Like, Izzy is uh, coming off of the two-part episode where she had sex with Alex, like, four times. And George... For some reason, I don't know why he has, like, why it has to happen now for George, this episode, but he wants a date with Meredith. He's, like, he's not going to rest until he gets his date with Meredith. And so, you know, it's definitely meant to sort of call attention to our interns' less than satisfactory sex lives at the moment, or complex almost sex lives at the moment. But yeah, that's no excuse. <laughs> they're the worst.
1: Yeah. They're just the worst. They're just a they're just dipshits. <laughs> like they're just so dumb with her.
0: And it's a little
1: bit irritating because this is we'll get into this with the medical fact of the week in a few minutes here, but they <laughs> this show just zero like puts in zero <laughs> effort to explain why Pamela Kelva has spontaneous <laughs> orgasms. Nothing. They just like it, and clearly that that scene was cut right clearly the scene <laughs> where they like assign her an attending and they say oh you have you know persistent genital stimulation or whatever it's called like they just cut that shit out and they're like oh no she's just has like a lot no of orgasms you know, like, that's it's, all we need right it's prime time <laughs> it's fine <laughs> Right, exactly. So there's really no. She's cured. We have no, <laughs> no idea how mystical orgasm disease. Right? Like there's, but we've got no idea how or what. We'll but t- we'll try to unpack a holiday. little bit for you
0: in our. Yeah, we facts. will. We will <laughs> slightly, uh, slightly.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should we talk a little bit about how um, Yang and Burke end this episode?
0: <laughs> Yes, we absolutely, we absolutely should. <laughs> Speaking of idiots. Tell us, a l- yeah, tell us about, about, tell us about Burke. So <laughs> He's so embarrassing. He just embarrasses me every week. <laughs> Which is saying something when a
1: woman has come in with spontaneous orgasms with her father, and I'm like, you know, like that's not the most embarrassing thing that happens in this episode
0: because there's no medical reason for how he ends this episode. (laughs) But he's been, you know, seething the whole episode about the fact that Yang (laughs) didn't get rid of her apartment, which, you know, (laughs) fair, it wasn't the best choice she's ever made.
1: Well, you know, after he bullied her into moving in with him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right? I mean, look, Carrie Bradshaw didn't want to give up her apartment either. And so, like, this is fine. This is not unusual um, Mm -hmm. for women of a certain age who live independent lives Mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, So he comes into the apartment. Yang is (laughs) eating Chinese food in bed, just, like, (laughs) spread out. (laughs) And Burke just, he begins... (laughs) This monologue that literally starts with, I am Preston Burke. I am Preston Burke, a widely renowned cardiothoracic surgeon. I'm so embarrassed even talking about it. I am Preston T. Burke. (laughs) Um, His middle name is Xavier. I'm a world-renowned... Cardiothoracic surgeon I'm an Excellent cook An exceptional (laughs) lover I play the violin Don't forget about the part where he Cleans up after himself I clean up After myself and you're a mess But I clean up after myself Because I am Preston Mr. Clean Burke (laughs)
1: Oh, it's so awful.
0: I am a professional. And more than that, I am a good and kind person. I am a
1: person that cleans up behind myself. I am a person that cooks well. And you, you are an unbelievable slob, a slovenly, angry intern.
0: I am Preston Burke. And you, you are the most competitive, most guarded, most stubborn, most challenging person I have ever met. And it's and he's like pacing. Oh God, it's just, it's just hard to watch. You just he had know such that a good inside, showing in episode seventeen too.
1: Yeah, and you know that inside Yang is just like, oh my God, I can't believe I gave up my apartment for this. <laughs> you
0: yeah, know? Yang is totally thinking like one of two things. Okay, my landlord probably hasn't sold that property yet. Right. And number two. I just, like, when is a good time for me to interject that I gave up the apartment? It's right. na- now, no, 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 okay, 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 he's pausing to breathe, no, that seemed awkward, no. okay, I'll just wait it out.
1: And also, like, how long is he going to go on, you know, <laughs> she's like, is he going to talk about the trumpet, oh, yep, he's yep. going to talk about the trumpet.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even get his fucking instrument right. I am a trumpeteer. <laughs> It's awful.
1: It is so awful to watch. Teresa made the joke that she imagines Burke giving this monologue to himself in the mirror every morning. <laughs> and I just think that, like, that's not inaccurate. You know, it's it was, like... like, too too well rehearsed.
0: <laughs> is know? it a joke? I feel like it's just, I can see it so clearly. It must happen. And it's
1: so stupid. Like, it's so embarrassing, but it's also so stupid, right? He says, like, I'm a great cook, and I clean up after myself, but I don't listen <laughs> To the person <laughs> with my inner relationship about her basic needs and requests. <laughs> you know, like, I just, it's just so. Obtuse and off base that it's just impossible to listen to.
0: Yeah, it's like, dude, like, what does your fucking professional and academic CV have to do yeah. with being a good partner right. in a romantic relationship?
1: I'm really glad you're Give polite. Me that resume. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then of course it ends, and he finally finishes, and Yang says, "Well, you know, I gave up my apartment 20 minutes ago." And he, like, grabs his coat and walks out.
0: <laughs> and it's so embarrassing all over again. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Yeah, yeah. You know he picks up his trumpet on the way out. Just, uh... I know. That's what, yeah, that's what I said. Like, where's he going to go? He doesn't yeah. have any friends. What's he going to go do? <laughs> He's just going to go for a jog. That's all we've ever seen Burke I do. I know. Burke jogs. He lectures Christina and he does surgery. These are the only three things.
1: We've only ever heard about his cooking skills.
0: <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry, he passive aggressively plays the trumpet when he's sad as well. I know. <laughs> Which is a
1: real waste. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, Burke.
1: You're uh, so
0: sexy. Get it together. I know. Get it together, my guy. I know. I know. Uh so I think that leaves us with Meredith
1: hmm oh yeah yeah so meredith in she in the the opening scene she's with her mother and and she realizes that ellis and thatcher split up because of an affair and she's kind of putting pieces together in this episode which i think is pretty interesting because we talked a little bit about this in our original recording but i think that if you were flipping through channels and you saw, this is the best way that I can describe this episode is that if you're flipping through channels and you see the Grey's Anatomy is on and you're like, Oh, it's a Grey's rerun. And it's this episode. You wouldn't automatically think to yourself, Oh, this is the episode right after the bomb. Uh, and I think that that's relevant because I, I think this is a, a really excellent episode. And I think that it does a great job of tastefully moving on from, from the bomb episode,
0: yeah. the, the
1: Super Bowl episode, I guess we we'll call it. And I think that it tastefully moves on from that. It doesn't, like, go... Like, it doesn't really ever mention it. It's, like, one line from Bailey to Meredith checking in to see if she's okay, right? It just sort of tastefully moves us on. And I actually didn't really even think about that this is the post-bomb episode until the very end when I was thinking a lot about Meredith's character. So she's putting together some pieces of her past in this episode. And where it leads her to is her father's front door, who she has not seen in 20 years. And we know that Meredith's is it that Meredith's father left, or that Ellis asked him to leave? Like, I forget exactly. Ellis
0: asked him to leave.
1: Yeah, because yeah. she's okay.
0: Cold, right? Stone cold. Yes, bits. That's,
1: that's that one classic. Ellis, and he does it because classic Thatcher. <laughs> like, does what he's asked, and so Meredith knocks on his door, and he answers, and he just looks like a a whisper of a man. <laughs> You know, like he's, he just is, this man is, I can't remember his name. I should have looked it up. He's a really wonderful actor, but he's, I think the word you used was pitiful. And he's just sort of like standing there and he recognizes Meredith, but he doesn't really make any moves to like show her affection or reach out to her or like really inquire even why she's there. And Meredith just sort of talks at him, you know, like you left, it was an affair, wasn't it? And she's very, very, very straightforward. And he just sort of listens and he's like, yeah, like I tried to fight, but, you know, I, uh, Ellis, (laughs) you know, he just just sort of like trails off. Yeah, just like really just trails off. And at the end, yeah, he's a big mumbler. And then at the end he says, you know, do you, do you need anything? Do you need something from me? And he, she says, no, I don't need anything from you. And I think this is a great moment because I think that what we see here is Meredith recovering from a very, very traumatic incident, right? From like a near death experience. And most people, most sort of mentally stable, well-to-do people when they go through something like that, maybe go to therapy or, you know, (laughs) take some time off work or talk to a friend. Right. And Meredith doesn't do any of that. Right. She tracks down her estranged father. She, inquires, you know, has a pretty upfront conversation with Derek about his marriage with Addison and why she cheated. And she has to deal with this patient on his deathbed who we didn't talk about in this episode, but he's incredibly bitter and essentially is, like, writing hateful messages to all of these people in his past. And we see that this is sort of Meredith's, like, best coping strategies. (laughs) And and it's like... (laughs) it's real rough, (laughs) you know, like it's a really hard thing to watch knowing that like within a, you know, a week or two, she's, this is sort of how she's chosen to deal with, with her sort of, Wrecked life is by doing all these things. And it's just, it's really tough. And I think that the writers want to intervene. You really want to intervene and be like, don't go see Thatcher. Like, (laughs) stop, don't go Mm, see even your mom, right? Like, maybe just stay home for a while, you know? (laughs) And you can't, you just can't. And I think that they had, like, knowing that Meredith is a character who is, like, chronically sad and chronically has bad shit happening to her, I think that this is probably a thoughtfully written episode in terms of how she deals with with um bad things in her life yeah and and i think it's sort of the writings on the wall here of sort of what's to come with her and how she's going to handle with with more bad things that are going to happen to her
0: yeah how she's going to handle any future scenes, seasons that Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. yeah i my my kind of coda on the episode with meredith because your your notes really got me thinking about this because i thought that was just like That was just an exquisite way to understand the episode. And I, as I was watching it, didn't even really pause to consider that this was the episode after the bomb episode. Right. Like, and I'm watching them one after another. It just doesn't ask
1: you to. Yeah.
0: And so when you when you pointed that out and like, are we, you know, we're kind of examining Meredith's (laughs) self-care or what she thinks is self-care and is actually possibly just masochism. Um I was like, Oh shit. Like, yes, that's absolutely what this episode is, is getting at. And I, you know, I really like, I, I also like have an estranged father. And so watching her turn to this guy that she hasn't seen in 20 years, I was just like, why him? Like, why would you go and see him? Like what, what, could that possibly serve and I I I told you this on on Saturday originally I just think that you know she's she's looking for anyone to fight for her right so like she's she's found out about what happened with her parents and her mother's affair and and Thatcher didn't fight for her like he he can't even he can't even you know sincerely or convincingly claim that he did right and and she has a mother who was far too self-involved professionally to fight for Meredith and then she's Mm -hmm. got Derek who didn't fight for her either right even though she she pled for him to do so yeah and so then that kind of culminates in this moment where like like we talked about in in our last episode you know that she just reaches into this guy's chest and it's and it's part self-sacrifice and part instinct and part whatever and so you know we have a person who's quite possibly like not fighting for herself either and so it feels like she returns to this site of abandonment as like a last-ditch attempt to get somebody anyone to kind of claim her and Mm. and it's incredibly sad um when she says, "You know i don't need anything from you because it's it's so clear that he he can't possibly like fill that need for her anymore yeah. um and I think leads pretty seamlessly into the end of the episode as cringeworthy mm. and horrible as it is, you know George shows up at her room." And, it, you know, has like his idea of a heroic speech, his like pick me, choose me, love me speech. And and she goes with it. Like she looks at him and he's there and she sleeps with him. And yeah, that to but me I think makes that, sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, you're totally right.
1: This is one of my absolute worst I, I have a hard time watching Megan Meredith and George Megan has a physical, kiss.
0: like, response. I really do.
1: I really do. When it came on, I, like, screamed at the TV and was like, no! You know, like, it's awful. It's really, really, ch- like, very difficult for me to watch. But I think you're exactly right. Like, you're naming exactly what it is, is that, that George's version of the pick-me-choose-me-love-me speech is saying all of those exact things to Meredith that she wants to hear. I know I'm not a surgeon and i know i'm not a lot of things that you've gone for in the past but
0: i would never leave you i would never hurt you and i will never stop loving you
1: you know like she's her bar for love and affection and and relationships is just It's just her bar for love is just so low that having somebody say, I won't ever hurt you is enough for her to just sleep with George, (laughs) you know, like somebody that she knows she's not attracted to in any way, shape or form, but just that moment. Because obviously. (laughs) Exactly. And just that moment of reassurance is enough to just say like, oh, okay. Like I, I believe you for the second, you know, it's, it's just, it's, oh man. It's so, she is just a devastating character.
0: Yeah. She is just barely keeping it together. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could call it keeping it together.
1: Right. I don't really think she
0: is. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I love that character. I do too.
1: She's really great. Man, I
0: have affection for Meredith. Yeah. Well, should we move into some bits? Yeah, let's do the bits.
1: ready. Song of the week. (laughs) This is like the 10th time I've talked about this, and I feel crazier every time I talk about it, but according to the internet, the shout-out louds are in this fucking episode with I Wish I Was Dead Part 2, which is my favorite shout-out loud song, because it's so good. Because Megan
0: is spiritually Meredith Grey. (laughs) And... (laughs) commentary
1: aside I cannot find this song in this episode I went like listen I just cannot find it so my song of the week is I Wish I Was Dead part 2 if it is in fact in this episode and if it's not in fact in this episode then I vote for the tastefully sad Joshua Radin song When Jake is Dying which is a song called So we're alone again
0: I wish it were over we seem to never
1: end. and it sounds a little bit like a lullaby
0: that's a good choice so we love sad death lullabies that's yeah that's kind of lullaby yeah
1: that's like um, it's like the genre of most of we do not iTunes have music. children
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> um i mock i mock megan but i too like scoured this episode yeah. to be like how did i miss the shout out louds? <laughs> that's like a really memorable song too I don't think they're in the episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the people at the Grey's Anatomy wiki. Please do. Um, I, um, I thought there was a lot of good music this mm. episode. My uh, third favorite song was Corinne Bailey Ray. Second favorite was a nice, a nice little song by Rosie Thomas. And my favorite song was a song called Everybody Needs Someone to Lean On. Fence, a fence to lean on. Oh, everyone! everybody needs a fence to lean on. Yes. Yeah. By headlights, question mark, Swash. times a thousand? Diddy Bops. The Diddy Bops. <laughs> the second half of season two iteration of our favorite band, the Diddy Bops. The Grey's Anatomy House Band, the Diddy Bops. <laughs> The cantina music of Grey's Anatomy. The Diddy, the Diddy Bops. Bops. If I if I ever get married, <laughs> oh my god. I don't know if the Diddy Bops are still together. They are, but under a but different name. <laughs> under a different name, right? Every six months, um, I'm I'm gonna get them to play my wedding. Please do that. Please definitely do. needs to happen. I was so going to say I'll their... help pay
1: for it but I can't imagine that the Diddy Bops have a very high cover charge.
0: <laughs> I'm sure if I just am like I have an open bar they would be like sold. Yeah. yeah, We'll be there. We'll play all your favorites. <laughs> and it's just like my whole like wedding party will just be like incidental Grey's Anatomy music. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's going to be so fun. <laughs> I am the Looking for something can quite
1: put my mind at ease
0: Cause I need to see See an opening uh, Alright, uh, death tally. Yeah, just Jake, right? Just the one? Just Jake. Just Jake. Ma'am. Sad face. Poor guy. Yeah, we've had two two really sad deaths in a row. Yeah. So Coach Taylor and You know Jake. that Grays is getting into the swing of things. Both are Oh my gosh.
1: Both are Friday Night Lights characters. Oh. <laughs>
0: Jesse Plemons, <laughs> shout out Jesse Plemons who's on Fargo and is engaged to Kirsten Dunst. Oh yeah,
1: they also missed that anecdote. <laughs> Man. Yeah. No one's yeah, ever going to hear it. But it was it. so
0: important to me I know. that everyone meaning like all 35 of you who seem to consistently listen know that kirsten dunst is in love you guys and she's happy and she's really had a hard time but i think it's working out and i'm just i'm so happy for her i didn't want her to be the character from crazy beautiful
1: i'm just really glad that of all the things that we salvaged (laughs) from our original recording (laughs) kirsten dunst
0: kirsten dunst like existential state of being. Yeah,
1: that's what made it through. Made it. That's what made it through. That's good.
0: Priorities.
1: All right, Karev of the week. What would you have yes. for Karev of the week?
0: Well, it won't make any sense to the listeners of this episode, and I'm not going to provide any context. Steve Eaton. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Who's Eaton? your Karev of the week? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Microev um, of the week is <laughs> George slash Meredith for doing the sin that they did.
0: Oh yeah, oh, should I have forgot that? Because
1: it was sinful. Yes, and they deserved it. You took it. You took it quite personally. My chief resident um, is Mark Sloan. I think that he is right about Jake's facial reconstruction, and he sort of advocates for a patient. I don't know. Maybe this is co- it is cocky. It's one hundred percent cocky. But he advocates for a patient who he doesn't really know, and just sort of steps in. And this is all before we even know why he's in Seattle. <laughs> and he like steps in, advocates for this young man. And then when Jake dies, he does performs the the facial reconstruction surgery even after Jake dies. So to me, that's sort of a great. That's like a sign of a great doctor, right? He steps in. He knows he can do it. He trusts the young intern. He, you know advocates for Jake, and he and he follows through in the end. So Mark Sloan was my chief sexy resident.
0: Yeah, like, I wanted to say, I mean, admit it, you're a little bit, it's like 40% his sex appeal, oh, uh, 60% yeah, percent his yeah. medical prowess. Yeah,
1: yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's, it's maybe 50-50. <laughs> Let's not.
0: It might be 60-40 the other <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah,
1: I don't, <laughs> I really can't be held responsible for anything that I say about Mark Sloan, to be completely honest.
0: <laughs> like, sexy?
1: No
0: make yummy make steamy my chief residents plural were Alex and Yang similar to Megan's um, because they are the ones who initially go to um, Sloan to ask him to perform to complete the surgery post-mortem so that Jake's parents can can see him for for one last time and it's yeah. it's really quite moving. So yeah, yeah. Kudos to both of them.
1: Word. Um Double O seven, I had all the interns who were huge dipshits <laughs> to Pamela.
0: Because <laughs> yeah, it makes them fair. like
1: it literally gets in the way of them treating her. And it's like really dumb. They're just really dumb. Yeah. They're dumb.
0: Yeah. I don't know how they make it through this program. I don't either. I mean, I guess. It's It's like a remedial program. Anyway, yeah. Um, My 007 is Bailey. And here's why. (laughs) Because in Jake's surgery... Uh, She brings her newborn into like the viewing area above the operating room and Jake dies. And I believe that it's because of (laughs) Bailey and her bad luck baby. Um, And so she has to be my 007 for directly leading to the death of a beloved patient via her bad luck baby. So 007. It makes sense. To the me. bad luck baby. <laughs> yeah.
1: Got it. Got it. Line of the week. Line of the week. I love the moment. So we actually didn't talk much about Mark's initial introduction, but he comes into the hospital and he's chatting with Meredith. And Derek sees that he's chatting with Meredith and he walks into sort of the nurse's station and just punches the shit out of Mark Sloan. Like he just trucks him. And so, you know, Derek gets taken away and Meredith is is helping Mark and trying to stitch him up and get him all cleaned up and stuff. And they recognize who the other is, right? And they're sort of joking the whole episode about how they're the the dirty mistresses. And Mark has this incredibly poignant line that I think completely accurately sums up the entire situation in one line. And he says, You know, it's funny. Derek walks in on me naked with his wife. Actually in the throes. And he just turns around and walks away, but he sees me so much as talking to you, and I'm on the ground bleeding. Interesting, don't you think? I just love it. Like I think it's a great Boom. yeah. It's just a mic drop, and Meredith's like a little bit silenced by it. Like she's a little bit like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, she's you know, she's not sure if she's like happy about it or sad about it or like proud you know i think that there's a lot of emotion in that and i think it's really accurate so i really
0: loved it yeah
1: and i think it gives us an early window into mark and how right he is about everything
0: or many things (laughs) everything mark is a god yeah yeah (laughs) he is my line of the week was kind of related to that same that same situation um after after derek punches sucker punches mark in the face inadvertently making him even more attractive because Mm. now he looks super vulnerable and cut up um he's in a conference room with the chief and he's being pouty and won't ice his hand and the chief just yells at him my hand is fine put the damn ice on your two million dollar a year hand and uh and then you know he asks Addison like who is this guy and Addison explains like he's the man that Derek found me in bed with, uh, which was a lot of detail for your boss. <laughs> um, but then the chief just like goes down, like bends down to Derek and he goes, You put your weight behind it. Yes, sir. Well, all right, dude. Then... <laughs> and it's just, it's so good. It's great. It's a great moment for the chief. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It's great. All right. So quickly, our medical fact of the week redux. Yes, take us take us through it. Okay. So basically, what this woman Pamela Calva probably had is called persistent genital arousal disorder, which was um, only recently documented by a Dr. Sandra Leiblum in 2001. Um, it's, uh, this is coming from the Wikipedia page for the disorder, and um, it's it's persistent sexual arousal syndrome uh, refers to the condition in women, and um, priapism is like the condition for men, but... Of course, the disorder for men is already in the Manual of Mental Disorders and was recognized by the medical establishment, but persistent genital arousal disorder. The women's condition wasn't. Shocker. (laughs) So according to this page, physical arousal caused by the syndrome can be very intense and persist for extended periods, days or weeks at a time. Orgasm can sometimes provide temporary relief, but within hours the symptoms return – Um, That return is sudden and unpredictable. And the symptoms can be debilitating, preventing concentration. Some situations, this just sounds so terrible, such as riding in an automobile or train, vibrations from mobile phones Mm. or even using the toilet can aggravate the syndrome, unbearably causing the discomfort uh, to kind of uh, verge on pain. Um, And you can actually use like all sense of pleasure Um, as, like, this sensation becomes associated with a feeling of pain. It sounds absolutely terrible. And according to this page and some other sources that Megan and I both took a look at, there's not really a cause. Mm -hmm. They think it could be some kind of irregularity with nerves, like with sensory nerves, It often strikes women who are postmenopausal or receiving hormone treatment. Mm -hmm. And according to a Jezebel piece, which was chronicling the suicide of a woman who suffered from this disorder for years and years and had come forward to raise awareness about it, um, they have noticed that 12 out of the 18 people in a research study related to this disorder had a, uh, a cyst at the mm-hmm. base of their spine, and that cyst is only present in, I, it, there's a particular name for it, but I can't remember the name of the cyst, but um, it's only present in like one to nine percent of the population. Mm-hmm. But that was in 2012, and as of Megan's article in 2014, there didn't seem to be much progress. Yeah,
1: there's based on this is a uh, article from the Guardian in uh, August, I think of 2014. No progress here in terms of finding a cause or or worse, finding a cure. Uh, I think that that's to me, that's (laughs) what's obviously like, quite devastating about this disorder is these women who are in, they're saying that, you know, women who suffer from this disorder experience a lot of different kinds, you know, like some some feel sort of like a constant sense of arousal. Some experience like spontaneous orgasms, like in this particular episode. Some experience like sort of a roller coaster ride. You know, lots of different sort of personal experiences of what how it's manifested. But every person, every case experiences this, this like deep, deep pain, right? And chronic pain disorders are are devastating, right? Like chronic pain is is, is truly awful, and you can only imagine, I'm sure and so the fact that there has just been no recognition of this disorder and then no real no real cure for it everything is sort of trying to you know cure the symptoms right treat the symptoms and so it's yeah. it's things that that really just make me crazy things like oh well i just try to avoid triggers or oh i just try to avoid you know um riding in cars or running on trains these different things or I, I try to just really focus on my work um i try to not not you know do things that might that might set me off or or i just try to change my whole right. way of life exactly or i practice mindfulness or i try to meditate or i do yoga all things that are healthy practices sure but as as a a treatment plan that individuals are having to individual women are having to invent for themselves because there's no medical cure for this or or treatment plan for this is really devastating. I think that when we originally recorded, Teresa sort of equated it to thinking about women in the early 1900s, late 1800s who were who were diagnosed with hysteria because their treatments or there, you know, complaints were not, were not taken seriously. And this, this feels really reminiscent of that, right? Women who are mm-hmm. saying, oh yeah, I've been having persistent orgasms for 10 years or persistent genital arousal for 10 years. And, and so now I'm trying yoga is like a yeah. really like that. Or a... like,
0: or like in one of these patients cases, one of the women who took her life having doctors, male doctors say like, I wish someone would tell my wife about it. Like, yeah that kind of response instead of like a serious medical investigation to what might be going on.
1: Yeah. Yes. <sighs> yeah, I mean it's really it's really a nightmare. It's awful to read yeah. about.
0: As with so many things in women's health.
1: Yes, exactly. I wish oh. that I were more surprised. The tone in my voice is sad. Sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, just surprised. Yeah. Unsurprised. Well, um, well, we're just going to do a quick zip through of this episode, but you got a full episode again. You did. You're so welcome. That's right. Um, and that feels like reason enough to subscribe to our show on iTunes and give us five stars. See? Because we recorded this episode twice. That's right. (laughs) Cumulatively three hours. That's right. Um, you can also subscribe to our show on Podbean, our wonderful host, on so Acast great. and stitcher radio as well as tunein that's a new one so that's pretty cool check us out we have a facebook page um so you can check us out there and find all of our episodes as we update and we are active on twitter at code underscore grays underscore you can check out our s- website code-graze.tumblr.com and then finally we would love for you to reach out to us with like stories comments just random moments of intense irrational Grey's Anatomy fandom
1: (laughs) how do you feel about Mark Sloan
0: yeah yeah (laughs) if you just want to send us shirtless pictures of Eric Dane that's great
1: Um, we're gonna save those yeah
0: so our email is codegraze (laughs) at gmail.com so thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay, oh, I believe.